Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm recording this. I'm looking out my window and I'm longing to be outside because for the first time in, it seems like ages, the sun is shining. And we went to the park yesterday with a bike riding lesson. Not not me. Um, and that was very nice. Then we sat on the grass with some apple juice and some water and we ate two Tunnock's tea cakes and put the world to rights. Well, as much as you can with a nine-year-old boy. Um, and if you don't know what Tunnock's tea cakes are, Google it, you're missing out. Um, thank you so much for downloading and subscribing and being here. And I know there's a lot of new subscribers who have come over, have found us from the Obsessed with Line of Duty podcast over on BBC Sounds. So, hello, you're very welcome. Um, you've got a lot to catch up on. That was my stomach rumbling, if you heard that. Yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. Um, go back, you don't have to start, you don't have to start the beginning, you start wherever you want. Um, and if you joined us from last week, you were here in the wonderful Line of Duty sort of mashup special with little snip, snip, snips, snippets of our full-length conversations with Neil, Vicky, Martin, AD, Tony, Maya. I'm missing somebody. Vicky, Martin, AD, Maya, Tony. Is that it? I feel like I'm missing something. I'm missing something. You're screaming at me now, aren't you? You're missing somebody. Anyway, if you haven't heard the full episodes of those, go back, start there. You know, there's a lot of line of duty natter at the moment, so go and uh, and fill your boots with those. And if you listen to them, listen to them again if you want. Um, so that was last week, and now we're here. And we are... I don't know what... This is, this is purely coincidental um, that we've had... Uh, rather a lot of beautiful Welsh people on, and we are keeping that trend going this week when we welcome Alexandra Roach to the podcast. Um, we had a few tech issues, but you won't hear any of that because producer Griff is the best and he sorted it out. Um, but we start off, I really wanted to know, even though you know when I get actors on, we don't really discuss certain roles, but I did want to know if there were any moral dilemmas in taking on a real-life person from political history and what that brought. So that's where we'll kick off. This is the Two Shot Podcast with Alexander Roach. Enjoy. I shall see you at the end. First of all, Alex, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> No, look, I know that we've been trying to get this sorted for ages, but as is the way. Um, where where are you at the moment? I live in Bristol now, so... I um, love Bristol. Do you? Yes. Me too. I lived in London for 10 years and then moved here, so we've lived here for nearly five years now. And... For... Is it because you're kind of you're nearer to... 
I think Wales. so. Yeah, it's halfway between London and home for me, so I can get mm. to both easily. And it's just a really cool city. There's a lot going on, and I've just fallen for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in normal times, <laughs> it's quite a cult. There's a great culture scene, a great mm. art scene, and the restaurant scene's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, there's lots going on. Um, normally, I don't. I don't really touch on work or jobs that much when I'm talking to actors because you know what actors can be like. They can just be a pain <laughs> in the arse and it's just a bit horrible for Absolutely. the audience to listen to. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. This That's a big shout-out to all the actors that I've had on the You're All Lovely bar, <laughs> a few. No, I'm joking. Um, but when we were arranging this for you to come on, I was thinking about the portrayal of real-life characters, real-life people. And certainly, and I'm only saying this because in the past, I'm not going to say what, but I've been asked to portray, let's say, quite morally dubious people <laughs> from history. Um, and I've, I, I just couldn't do it. I've had to, I've had to say, I just can't. I, I, I actually can't do it. Um, so when you're offered to portray a younger version of someone Mm -hmm. who everybody has Mm -hmm. an opinion on, shall we say. Did that bring conflict to the table? Did you have to think about this? And let's just say for the record about who we're talking about, by the way. Yeah, so we're talking about Maggie. Maggie Thatcher, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, I've got to be honest, I didn't think twice about it because I was straight out of drama school and this was... It's a massive gig. Like, mm. you know, you're not going to turn down playing a young Meryl Streep um, straight out of drama school. I was just, and I really, really wanted it. I, you know, I'd grown up in Amnford. It's a small mining town in South Wales. So obviously I'd grown up with hearing so much about Maggie Thatcher, knowing so much about her. My dad was a policeman. My grandfather was a miner. Um, so, you know... It's just seeped in my consciousness growing mm. up. Um, but when that part, well, that, when that audition came in, I just felt that I was, you know, politics aside, that I had a lot of similarities with yeah. her. And it was kind of pulling them out and those out and just um, focusing on on that. And, and the director said, we, we, want, we want somebody to play Maggie that's, Gonna make the audience really like her. <laughs> well, that 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 would help, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a big feat, that. Yeah. Uh, but I'll give it a go. So yeah, there was you know I would have loved to have thought, oh you know, it's a clash with my own politics, and but I gotta be honest, it's a massive gig, and I jumped at the chance. But surely, does politics has to come into play at some mm. point, and mor- morals and ethics as a person? I mean. What did what did your what did your parents think? They were just super proud. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember ringing them. I found out that I got the job when I was at a music festival on the Isle of Wight, and um, I rang them, and they were just so delighted for me. I was a bit nervous to go back to Armerford for like Christmas time when I always go back, and walked into the Labour Club. <laughs> for um, to my pals, <laughs> I thought, how's this going to go down now? Um, because apparently they had pictures of her up and you know all sorts during the strikes and everything. But 
um, everyone was just so proud of me from Ammerford. That's what it felt like. I didn't get any animosity or anything. They were just like, oh, girl from Ammerford's doing really well. And, you know, some of them bought me a drink for, you know. Well, just great that there was no kickback. Yeah, exactly. And what age, yeah. what, how old were you then when you played that part? Um, I was 21 or 22. 21, so you really were just fresh out the box. Yeah, straight out. What a great experience, though, to go diving into such a, a huge production. Yeah, it's one of, it was just such a sort of inspirational, massive time for me. Um, looking back now, I just it's weird to say that I wasn't nervous or I wasn't scared. Now, I think I'd be terrified mm. if I did it. You know, when you're young and you're just naive and you're just, you know, I was driving into, um, uh, what's the studio? Oh, the the massive studios in London, what they called? Pinewood. Pinewood. I was driving into Pinewood and it just felt, I don't know, it just felt right. And then walking into the rehearsal, this massive studio and meeting Meryl for the first time, it was just it was nonstop day after day of just these wow moments. But I just, it just felt like, oh gosh, this is what I've been working so hard for that it, it, it feels good. And, and just to lean into that and, and go with it. And I look back now, I'm super proud of, of myself for doing that because if I was cast now, I think I'd be a bit terrified. Yeah, because you know, you know so much yeah, more now. Yeah. You know how it all works uh-huh. and you know the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, let's go back. Let's, let's talk about growing up. Was it quite a small, was it quite a small little town? Yes. So Ammerford, it's, um, it's in between Llanelli and Swansea. And it's small enough that you know everybody in, in the town. But yeah. it's big enough that, you know, it's got a, it had a Woolworth growing up. <laughs> it's got a Tesco <laughs> now, so you know it's not tiny, tiny. Um, but you do know everybody. But yeah, I had a lovely childhood growing up. You know, it was nothing to do with acting. My my dad worked for the Welsh Rugby Union, and my mum was um, a secretary and a PA for a, a for a big factory. So it just felt I don't know. We just had a lovely time and. Um, but it, it, it had nothing to do with acting and none of my family are into acting at all. So me, do, me going, me finding my feet in the industry, it, you know, it took a while because it just wasn't the done thing. Mm. So when did that start for you? Um, I think it started when I, when I was about 11 or 12, um, I had a friend on my road called Sarah Gregory, who's an amazing actress, Um, but she went to a different school. She went to a Welsh school. And so I would, on weekends, we'd play out together. And I'd go around to her house and um, knocked on the door one Saturday and she was off to a drama club. And it was like an all-day thing. And she was like, well, there's room in the car Mm. if you want to come. I was like, right, how much is this? Fiver. So I remember going back to my mum and being like, can I have a fiver? Sarah's going to this drama club and, you know, I'll be gone all day. She's like, take the money. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, a fiver exactly. well spent to get you. Um, and I started, it was called Mark German's Stage School. Um, and I started mm. going there most Saturdays with Sarah. And it was it was there that it sort of awakened, really, that that I was able to do 
what they were asking. And I kind of found my people the first time. Um, and the, one of the first weeks that I went there, they were casting for Pobolacum. It's a Welsh soap opera. So Sarah mm. went to a Welsh-speaking school, but you didn't go to a Welsh-speaking school, but you yeah. are, you're fluent in Welsh. You can speak Welsh, can't you? Now, was this, was this drama club, was it all Welsh as well? No, it was in English. So it was in Swansea. Oh right. Um, but in my in my mm. co- in my uh, comprehensive, you in Wales you have to speak Welsh. You have to learn Welsh. Um, but it's just that Sarah was going to a hundred percent Welsh school, and I was doing sort of bilingual classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mark German was all in English, and I was meeting kids from Swansea and um, all over the south South Wales really. And how long did that go on for? I was there until I left, probably, to go to to drama school. So I was there from about 11 to 17. Wow, so that's a long time. Yeah. And were you, enc- was... were you encouraged to audition there? Oh, yeah. He's big on pushing you for professional work. Um, and that's how I got the, the part in Publicum. But before then, it was like little bits like... Um, being an extra in the Harry Potter film, being an extra in About a Boy, and just being on set, um, just you know, as a supporting artist, mm. and that's how I that's how I started. Really, was just looking around and remember being on um, set for About a Boy and watching Hugh Grant work, and you know, it was all just very exciting. And also, you're slowly starting to learn the machine of being on a film set and what it's like and what you're asked to do yeah. and how slow it is you know people think <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be really great super exciting and you go well we're only doing three pages of dialogue today and it's going to take mm-hmm. all day and the majority around that you'll be stood around drinking yeah. tea <laughs> but I, yeah totally and it's it it never it just baffles me how slow it can be but there's something about being on set especially from a kid when i was 11 on onwards especially at publicum because I learned that's where I learned my craft really so I was a regular in it and I was filming maybe three times a week so I was juggling school and filming but it was there that I was you know asking questions to the crew and to the camera people being like what what does POV mean and what does this mean and I just thought oh and meeting older actors that were actually making a living from doing this and thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this could be something that I could do, and that's where the seed was sort of sown for me, of, oh, of this it could, potentially it could be a viable career. Yeah, prospect. for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and was that that when that penny dropped? Was that what you knew? Right, I'm going to leave school and I'm going to head straight to drama school. Yes, I think so. I was so my birthday's in August, so I'm a young. I was always young in school, mm. um, so I was like 17 and I thought, right, I'm going to audition for drama school. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I had a bit of help from the um, drama teacher at, at school, a bit of help from Mark German, but it just felt a bit, looking back now, that I didn't really understand the whole process because, you know, you're 17, why would you? It's exactly. It's so young and I was really, really, I looked really young as well. Um, but I remember going to my, um, there was like a head of drama at my school and I did not really have much to do with her, but I remember stopping her and thinking, you oh, know, maybe she could give me some advice 
I didn't have any classes with her. I said, you know, I'm thinking of in um, for drama school and I'd, I'd like to go to RADA. And do you know what? She laughed so hard that she had to, she, she laughed. laughed. She laughed so hard that she had to prop herself up on the wall. Oh, talk about supportive. I know. But it was... It was in one of those moments I thought, like, I could crumble you and just think, oh, you know, I'm not going to, I won't do that then. I'll just, you know, go to college or do something else. But I remember looking at her and thinking, I'll prove you, I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> and I think it's that that's given me the, I don't know, because in this industry, you just get battered so much, don't you? You get you know, mm. so many lows and very few highs <laughs> that I just think that resilience was it was in me from from a young age from then really sometimes it's reactions like that that spur mm. you on and you think i'm really pleased i got that reaction out of that yeah. person because that's helped me in more ways than they'll ever exactly know. and so and so do you think we just touched on it before because i was sort of 17 mm. as well when i moved from blackpool to london do you look back on it and think if I had my time again, I would have waited to get a bit more life experience. Well, I didn't get in the first year. So, yeah. Ah, okay. So, we'll carry so on. So I auditioned um, for every school going. Um, so I was just desperate to go. So, yeah, my dad was coming with me to all the auditions and travelling up to London. And I was getting so far, but I was never clinching it. I was never getting through to the final, final mm. round. You know, it was just, I was so close, but not getting there. And I remember coming back on the train and... You know, I'd just be dead upset and crying. It's like the end of the world, not getting into drama school at that age. And it just felt awful. Um, and then I went, I did get a place at National Youth Theatre of Wales. Right. Um, and that's Which, a... Is, is that in Cardiff? That's it. Uh, no, it's a residential course in Aberystwyth. Right, okay. Um, so you go away for, I can't even remember, it's like four, four or five weeks and you stay up there in halls of residence and you're with people your own age and it's all you put on a show and you tour it around Wales right over the summer and it's a fantastic experience because you get to meet other kids that are really into what you're into for the first mm. time and because you know in school no nobody wanted to be an actor and you know it was just me so it was around that so which was you know got to chat about just what we loved and you know just meeting other other young people that were really into it and being taught by professional actors which was great again meeting people that were making a living out of this and and you know just it opened my eyes a lot that whole time um and somebody on that course said oh well if you don't get in anywhere you should check out Gosinan College because they do a good a really good course like BTEC, performing mm. arts or acting. Um, so I came back from doing a residential course and went to check that out. And it was one of the best moves I've ever done because it was, um, it's this one year course where they kind of train you to get into drama school. Right. Okay. Yeah. And there was about 12 of us in the class. And around eight or nine of us got into top drama schools that year. God, that's invaluable. What a move that was. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the first time you're doing acting sort of all day. And because in Wales, there's a massive tradition of singing and musicals and poetry and all of that. 
But to be a straight actor, mm. I didn't really... The lines were blurred for me. So I didn't really understand because I couldn't sing. I thought, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm honest, I'm on the back foot here because everybody else can sing. And I didn't realise that it was, it was an option for me not to, be, not to sing. Alex, are you telling me you're the only person in Wales <laughs> that can't sing? You've tracked me down. Oh, my God. You're the third person in a week. <laughs> Uh, every week for the last three weeks, I've had someone from Wales on, and they've both been incredible singers. And you've just you've, you've just oh, yeah. dropped the ball. That's it. Oh well, <laughs> I'm glad I bucked the trend. <laughs> I mean, I can hold a tune, sure, but I got no confidence in it. Ah, well, the the lines are blurred now, aren't they? <laughs> don't worry, we'll, we'll test we'll test something out of sing song later on. We won't. We, we don't. We don't. It's not that type of show. Just a little ditty. <laughs> so, how did you feel? about the big move because it was all going to happen you're going from well you're going to london for three years yeah it's a big deal it was massive and uh really really scary and you know moving up to london the just the logistics of it and finding a flat in camden this dingy flat with just a tiny window in my room and I kept on getting broken into and oh god it was awful I was just so homesick when I first got there I just felt really out of it not I didn't feel you know you're just finding your your feet at that mm. age and you're trying to work out who you are and I was meeting people that had been to Oxford and Cambridge and done their masters and I was a young 18 year old Welsh girl that was just her, my eyes were just so wide open to this whole new world in London and meeting people and I was just intimidated I think uh, uh, well I was anything. gonna say that sounds intimidating and you're either you're yeah. either gonna you're either gonna go one way or you're gonna meet it head on so how how was that how did you build up some sort of Resilience, I suppose. Well, it didn't come from RADA, actually, that resilience. I, the, what happened to me, I didn't have a sort of a normal um, journey through my training at all. So I started at RADA, 18, moved to London, and I was put into Dee Cannon's acting class. Mm. And she's this, this woman who um, teaches the... Uta Hagen sort of method and she's um she's American and she's really tough on you and pushes you and it was in that class that I started to find my feet a bit and in the other classes the sight reading the dance the singing I was I was struggling and I knew I was struggling but in her class I don't know it just I felt I felt like oh this is this is where I should be and I felt felt good um, but halfway through the second term, um, I got a really bad back in injury and it was so bad that I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't do any of the performances in classes, couldn't get into classes. So um, as the term went on, I was missing so much and they kind of said to me, listen, you've missed loads now. Do you want to you can stay here and you can just sit in the back of class and watch your peers and learn from that. Or do you want to go home, get better and come back to us next year? Uh, 
So that was a big decision for me. And I decided to take a year out. So I just found my feet in London and I'd found my way with the acting. And I thought, oh no, this is actually where I was meant to be. And I stopped doubting myself. And then all of that was kind of taken away from me then. And I was back in my mum and dad's in Ammonford. I was really, really sad. Um, I, I, I can't imagine the levels of sadness. But when you were saying mm. about your options then, I was going, please say you were going to take a year out and go home and get better. Because I think just sitting there and watching your peers could be devastating and so frustrating because that's all you want to do. You want to get up and start learning. Exactly. That's all I've ever wanted was to go to drama school and just to sit in the back and watch other people do it and not be part of it. Oh, it just, it was awful. So yeah, I went home and yeah, but this, I was really depressed and I wouldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. I just felt like I'd, given up on my dream you know and let everybody down because I was in the local paper like local girl goes to RADA and then I just you know I was back in my mum and dad's Mm. house and it just felt I just felt awful um but managed with the support of my friends and family kind of picked myself up and you know all my friends had gone off to uni by then so it was I was just sort of with my mum and dad and my one friend um and yeah, kind of picked myself up from it and then got healthy again, sorted my back out and went back to RADA the next year. But then all of my year, my original year, was in they were in the second year. So I had to start again in the first year then. And also we've got to remember that, that there, it's not... Uh, <laughs> going to drama school is really expensive. And so to sit in the back of class, you know, obviously in pain, that's a dear do. So I think I really think um, that you made the right decision to come back stronger and healthier. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely know that now. But at the time, it it was one of those decisions that it didn't wasn't that easy to make. But looking back, oh, my God, it was absolutely the right decision. 100% because in that year not only had I been through so much and it gave me sort of life experience and I'd overcome something Mm. then when I went back to rejoin RADA and meet these new people and went back to my acting class I had so much more to draw on and yeah just made it it's it's definitely helped me. So how how was that feeling then going back for the first year because you're retreading some steps again that you've already gone through yeah and my my acting teacher Dee Cannon so she um I wasn't put in her class when I went back um I was put in somebody else's class and I thought oh part of me thought oh you know I'll get an easier ride in this other person's class um and I'll just put my head down and you know I'll just do that instead because I knew she was tough and I knew she'd push me um, and I, she passed me in the corridor one day and she was like, oh, so you're back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm back. And uh, she said, oh, I see you're not in my um, acting class anymore. I was like, no, I'm in somebody else's class. And she goes, are you just going to fucking take that? <laughs> I was like, um. <laughs> and then she just shrugged her shoulders and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> and I thought in that moment, I thought, no, she's right. I, this woman will push me and make me 
a better actor and that's what I'm here to do. So I went to the principal and I got asked to be put back in her class, but she wasn't easy on me at all. And I am so grateful for that now um, because I'd done a lot of the exercises in the first term. She um, used me as an example mm. to everybody in the class and would say, right, well, Alex is going to go first so we can all learn from her. So we haven't got time learning from everybody's mistakes and then we can move on. Um, which is terrifying because, yeah. you know, you don't know these people and you're being made an example of and you just want to get it right. Um, but we did, as a class, we progressed further and she taught us things that she'd never taught at RADA because of the extra time and things. Um, yeah, so it, it, it all worked out in the end. I don't know if it was it was always fair, um, but in drama school, you, you're just in this bubble, aren't mm. you? And you're, that's all you're thinking about is your casting and your training. And I was so far in that bubble that I don't think I can look back clearly and make that kind of judgment now. Because that's all, it was my life. It was, it was all consuming. Well, it kind of is all consuming. You don't really see the outside world. You're starting early and you're finishing late, especially in the third year. And you're just yeah. working your socks off. It's not healthy, I don't think. Because, you know, most of my other friends were going to uni and having the sort of uni experience. Whereas I was, you know, up super early, getting there to warm up, then staying till 10 o'clock at night, doing my singing. Um, yeah, we just, and you come out of there and you, you sort of, you're in a bit of a blur because you can't really figure the world out because you've been in such a... It's almost like a cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these are facts that you're talking about. And the sad, the sad thing is that, I mean, less and less now, but I've certainly had to deal with directors, you know, currently working, who knock your confidence. They don't, it's not about supporting your confidence, it's about knocking it. And then you've got then you've uh -huh. got to get in front of a camera and try and do the best you can do, and you feel about twelve years old because you've just been made to feel like you know nothing. Mm -hmm. That's what's hard about this industry is that you know if you're going through a time where you've lost your confidence, if you're anxious, if you're feeling depressed, you have to go into a room and try to not show that, and that is impossible mm. and I've, I've like you know there's been times where I felt like I've lost my confidence and you you're sort of on the way to London you're you're trying to you know gear yourself up to get in there and you'll be fine and when you get in there it's, it's gone it's, you can feel it crumbling away from you but it's so hard because you're trying to sell yourself and part of you is is struggling and there's just there's no support there because we're all sort of doing this on our own and struggling struggling with yeah. it i mean i've in the past whenever i've struggled and you know scripts have been sent or auditions have come in or even job offers. you know luckily sometimes job offers have come in and i've had to say i can't i, I just i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not equipped to do the best job that i could possibly do right now so I think it's just best if I step away or I don't have that audition or I don't do that job mm. and I'll get myself into a, a much better headspace and then hopefully we'll be fine yeah 
Well, that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? To, to say, well, just give me a minute. And you have to, you know, if you're thinking about paying the rent and all of those, you it's, it's, there's, there's bigger decisions sometimes as a play where you just think, oh, just do it. Just get in that room. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then you're, it's almost like you're doing yourself some damage then because that casting director might not call you in again because you were, you know, not yourself at exactly. that time. Exactly, yeah. And I was thinking, regardless of whether you get the job, you don't want to make a complete dick of yourself in the room or come across, <laughs> or, or worse, come across as someone that you're not. Yeah. Because that has ramifications and you go, well, that person hasn't called me in for a year. And obviously you spiral in your own mind thinking, yeah. well, it's, it's definitely because of that. It's obviously because of that. And yeah. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I was doing it for the, you know, doing it for the, do things for the right reasons for you. Because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to support yourself. Absolutely. The tricky one. So have you, it is, it is, it's a fucking minefield. Mm. It really is. But have you learned over the years when you are, when the cloud's coming or you're feeling slightly brittle about what to do? I think it's an ongoing sort of process. I wish I could say, like, I've absolutely nailed it. Mm. But I think, you know, moving from London for me was absolutely the right move. And just maintaining a sort of normal life outside of acting because when I at RADA, I gave it everything. And then for about six years after RADA, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I had my friends, but we weren't, we weren't going out. We weren't, you know, doing life things that young people do. Mm. Um, I was just all consumed by this industry and thinking that it would support me, you know, when you just give, give your all to it. And, and it, it, Amy Poehler says in her book that you've got to treat this industry like a bad ex-boyfriend. And it's that sort of switch in my mental, in my head, really, that has helped me take a step back and think, hang on, this industry hasn't got my back, really. You know, as much as I want it to. Mm. Um, Oh, you can give and give and give and it'll take and take and take. And at the end the door shuts and there's someone's got a lock and you can't get back into the room. Yeah. And that is cold. It's, it, can uh-huh. be, it can be such the beautiful, most, you know, at times life-changing experience and it's a lovely tropical holiday. And then oh, it's just God, like, yeah. it's cold. It's Antarctica. It's awful. And there's nobody else there and you're just by yourself alone. Yeah. It's hailing outside. Can you hear it? I can. So I think it's just a choppy... That might be something to do with our connection problems before, you Yeah, know. I think it's really stormy, yeah. Um, so but, yeah, I think there's... Go on. Go on. There's power in realising that you don't have to give this industry your all as well and thinking, actually, I'm going to concentrate on my happiness in life mm. and what makes me happy... And not put all of those things on the back burner and put the career first. There's there's power in that. And and through that, taking your eye off the ball and sort of focusing in on those things that make you happy 
there's yeah there's power in that and you just by doing that then the industry like any bad ex-boyfriend will come call in well exactly because as you say by doing that you're making yourself more resilient and mm. and, and strong so then you can take the punches and the cold cuts exactly. when they come you've yeah, you've got that support network, you've got that foundation around you rather than just being on your own and taking hit after hit after hit. Because taking all those hits, one's going to land and it's going to floor you and you're not going to get Ooh. back up. No. Do you think moving and not being in London itself, which is all-consuming, I must admit, do you think that's helped to be moving outside? Yeah, definitely. I just felt like I was... I had to be at the industry's beck and call. I had to be there all the time. But I I knew that certain actors like Maxine Peake had moved out of London and, would, and were making it work. And I thought, you've just got to set up your stall. And when I worked with Paddy, he's, Paddy Constantine, he said that, you've just got to set up your stall and you say, this is where I live. And, you know, we just got to make it work. And yeah, again, there's just these these little moves or little things that I've done have just given me power in an industry where sometimes it, it's hard to, to get any control. Well, exactly. I mean, there's always that lack of control. But I, I remember saying to younger actors, and I still say to them now, you, you just be where you need to be, where, uh-huh. where you can ground yourself and where you feel that you, you're going to be able to grow. You don't have to go to them as if everything's in London. And it isn't. Everything isn't, isn't in London. That's the thing. I remember when I first moved out, and I, I hadn't shot anything in London for years. Then, of course, as soon as I move out from London, the first job I'm getting is I'm straight back filming in London, but that's by the by. <laughs> Still, you don't have to be there. And more certainly over the past year, you don't have to audition in London. No. And I don't think anybody's going to be auditioning in London for a long time to come. No, especially after all this. No. There's other ways now. Going in and out of a stinky old room. No thanks. No way. (laughs) Which is kind of great because I don't know anybody that really likes auditioning anyway. No. God, no. They don't exist, those people. Yeah, and they're liars if they say they do. Liars. It's horrible. So (laughs) with all this, has there ever been a point for you? Because I know how much... You'd love it. And we all take the knocks. But have you ever seriously gone, I'm going to have to take a real step back and think if I'm going to pursue this journey? Definitely. There's been about two or three of those moments for me. When were they? Um, Just before I left London, I felt like I'd... Luckily, I'd been working a lot, and I sound really ungrateful saying this, but I'd been doing a lot and working and I just giving it all giving it my all and I just kind of burnt out a bit and that's when I said to my boyfriend I said you know let's just pack a bag let's get in the car and let's leave London behind and we ended up in Hay on Wye lovely part um, gorgeous and we mm. stayed in a little um, B&B there and I just thought I need this right now my my instinct was you know, I was in the in the countryside by a river. I thought, for my mental health, this is this is where I need to be. So we stayed there for for six months. Really? Um, really? Mm. 
luckily I'd just done a job so we could we had a bit of money but we stayed there until we ran out of money really but you were um, doing what you needed to do at the time and there's nothing yeah. healthier than that no and it, it felt really really good to do that um my agent of course was like where are you living how long does it take to get to London <laughs> like six hours with four changes <laughs> <laughs> But, did, you, um, did, did you feel that over that time you were sort of recharging? Yeah, felt like I was plugged into the wall and recharging. And that's what I needed to do. I did a lot, you know, a lot of writing, a lot of, it was just very healing time. And I look back and I think oh, I'm so grateful and bloody lucky that I could do that at that time. But then, you know, I had to face up to the fact that, you know, kind of needed needed some money and needed to, needed to work. Yeah. So um, that's when we moved to Bristol then. And yeah, but it's been, you know, and you just go through phases. There's like certain... Can you hear that? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It sounded like someone with a megaphone. Some, on the street? Yeah. Welcome to Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, yeah, but there's been certain knocks that have definitely floored me that you just think you're so close, you know, even whatever stage you're at, you think, oh, this one's going to change something. This one's going to change the game for me. It's going to put me up a level or something. And then when it gets pulled away, it's almost your imagination sort of tricks you because you're sat on the train and you start thinking about, oh, if I got this job, then the things I could do, the, you know, the other parts I could play and you start daydreaming and then that's so dangerous then, isn't it? It's so dangerous pinning like hopes and future when, when something's just, just outside of your grasp and then it's just gone away and it's flown. Yeah. Yeah, That's tough. It's so tough. Yeah. There's been a couple of those moments where I just think, what am I doing? Whenever I I do get like that, I always go on Gumtree and I I search for jobs, <laughs> and I <laughs> I do, and I I always do it. My husband's like, oh, "What do you you know? The other job will come," and it I'm you know luckily now I'm at the time where I I feel like I can sort of relax into it. But last ten years there have been times where I'm ser- literally searching Gumtree not for any acting jobs, for any job that isn't acting. But I think that's realistic because whatever stage you're at in your career, nothing's definite and it uh-huh. could all just, I've seen it, you know, it could all just disappear. Yeah. It's a really scary prospect, sorry, for anybody listening. <laughs> or even actually saying out loud, that's really scared me. Yeah, so. it is terrifying. <laughs> Well, Alex, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. I'm really pleased that we get to make this work, even if we did have a few technical problems. We we made it work. But, Thanks um, for having me. I've been I a big to, fan of the podcast. I want you podcast. to have a lovely weekend. And uh, Thanks, no doubt I'll speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Cheers, You Craig. take care. Bye. Bye. another episode is done it was a delight to talk to alex i'm so pleased that she came on i hope you really enjoyed it um of course we're going to be back next thursday we're just lining things up i can't tell you who it is it's not um 
through any sort of secrecy or I want it to be a surprise. I just don't know because I haven't recorded it yet. And that is the gospel truth. Um, So until then, have a really lovely week. Do keep your messages coming into us. Um, we are twoshotpod at gmail.com. You know we're on Twitter and Instagram. It's always nice if you pop by and say hello. Um, and take care and look after yourself. And if it's still sunny where you are, enjoy it. And I think you can go in people's gardens now, can't you? So, my God, enjoy that. Get that barbecue on. Um, yeah, we're getting there, don't we? Until next week. I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>